Could Nico Iamaliava win the Heisman Trophy next football season? Yes, it's January. Yes, we're going to have that conversation. Why? Well, because the odds makers believe he's got one of the better chances in all of college football. That and a whole lot more. It's your Thursday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to Lockdown Balls. I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, making Lockdown Balls your first listen, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. Big shout out to our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. Okay, so got a fun show to get into today. FanDuel Sportsbook, again, kind of kind of runs together there. Released um, some updated odds for the 2024 Heisman Trophy winner, and where does Nico Iamaliava fall on that list? We'll tell you here in a matter of moments. Could Alabama, could the situation at Alabama right now spark change in the transfer portal? I think the transfer portal and a lot about the college football calendar needs to change anyway. But you got a lot of national media members who are advocating for change because of the situation at Washington and Alabama right now. We'll discuss that here in a moment. And plus, get into your mailbag questions in segment number three. So, um, Nico, it's always silly to have this conversation um, really before you're an established player. But sometimes in college football, you don't have to be an established player to go up and win the Heisman. Sometimes, you know, a redshirt freshman like, uh, what was it, Johnny Manziel can go up and, and win the Heisman Trophy or some of these younger players. Sometimes it's not about growth and development year after year, and then you take home that highest prize. So I recognize it's been done before, but I always think it's a silly conversation, especially in the month of January, but we are a football podcast. We talk Tennessee volunteers, so why not um, to have any type of a Heisman Trophy conversation this early? And with Nico, Nico's got one start under his belt. Sure, number one overall player in the country in the 2023 cycle, a five-star rated prospect, unanimously, all that and more. I get it. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of potential there. And in the one bowl game that he started against Iowa, against a very respectable defense, he put on a show on the ground, was extending plays, was making things happen, and was 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 fine through the air. Made one really, nice, really, really nice throw down the sideline to Ramel Keaton when he was flush out of the pocket. And he, I mean, it just looked really, really good. So again, there's a ton of potential there. And in one start, he's looked really, really good. But Nico Iamaliava does come in as one of the higher-rated players in terms of odds to win the Heisman Trophy in 2024. Let's take a look at those odds, shall we? Um, it's kind of interesting, okay? So Nico falls in, according to our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, as having the sixth-highest odds to win the 2024 Heisman Trophy. Coming in at plus 1,500. Who are those names in front of Nico? Well, I'll tell you. Right in front of Nico with the fifth highest odds is Jalen Milrow at plus 1,200. So Nico's at plus 1,500. Jalen Milrow, who is very much an established quarterback now and had a really, really nice season for Alabama, a college football semifinalist team that, that bowed out there in the playoffs, is there at number five. Will Howard is at plus 1,200 as well, tied with Jalen Milrow. Dylan Gabriel, who has packed up shop and left yet again, going up to a former a school in the Pac-12, now in the Big Ten. He's at plus 1,000. Third best odds. Second best odds, and this makes a whole lot of sense, it's Carson Beck at plus 750. Carson Beck at Georgia, 
Sure, you've lost some playmakers over the last couple of years. Sure, Georgia technically wasn't in the playoff this past year, but uh, I feel like we can have a reasonable conversation. Again, this is a conversation for another day. But if you're going by four best teams in the country, you can't tell me that Georgia wasn't one of the four best teams in the country. It's one loss was to Alabama by three points. It was a college football playoff semifinalist team. So anyway, I, again, this is a Vols podcast. I'm just saying it makes sense that Carson Beck's going to have those high odds because Georgia is going to be a solid football team next year. And that's just a result of good recruiting on top of good recruiting on top of good recruiting. And uh, Kirby Smart obviously has you know, won two championships on a really, really nice job at Georgia. So Carson Beck with some toys to play with coming off a really fine season is going to gonna have a chance. And he, uh, you know, again, his team's going to win a lot of games. And so he's got the second best odds or really tied for the first best odds with this next guy I'm going to mention. And then it's Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers electing to come back to school instead of going to the NFL draft with Texas, the Longhorns. Um, again, that's a college football playoff team this past year. Moving to the SEC, though. And it's not like Texas wasn't playing nobody, right? I mean, Texas was playing some uh, decent competition, had a couple of big games on that schedule, played Alabama this past year, beat Alabama this past year. But Quinn Ewers now is coming to the Southeastern Conference. And so you're going to be tested. Even the middle-of-the-road teams are going to give you a fight every single Saturday. And some of the bottom dwellers will still make it a competition. Again, it just means more. That's what it is in the SEC. But Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, tied for the best odds at plus 750 to win the Heisman Trophy next season. Dylan Gabriel at plus 1,000. Will Howard, Jalen Milrow at plus 1,200. And then there's Nico Iamaliava at plus 1,500. One does not look like the other. And, of course, that's Nico because Nico doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, but, man, what's that say? Is that more about hype? Is that more about the Nico effect in terms of everybody and in, in, in their mother knows who Nico is and everybody and their mother's known who Nico was and is for the past like three years, you know, really before he committed to Tennessee in March of 2022, he was one of the most popular quarterbacks in that quarterback heavy class committed to Tennessee. And then of course has been at Tennessee and now he's going to be the starting quarterback at Tennessee. So is that a, a whole lot of hype? I don't know. He's just the inexperienced guy, of the group there, but that's some high praise on what FanDuel Sportsbook. And again, you're not, you're not building uh, mansions in the desert for nothing, right? You know, the, the, these books make a whole lot of money, and I think our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook do a great job. But Nico is the sixth highest odds to win the Heisman Trophy. That's that's saying something. Right behind Nico at seven is Garrett Nussmeyer, who has seen a little bit of PT over the last couple of years. He's been the backup quarterback, but he's he has been pressed into action and done some things over at LSU. He's a plus eight eighteen hundred. Jackson Arnold, who's going to be the starting quarterback, former five star starting quarterback. It's Oklahoma, who will face Tennessee in week two. He's at plus 1,800. Jackson Dart of Ole Miss is at plus 1,800. Um, you got Connor Wagman at plus 2,000. Riley Leonard at plus 2,000. Cameron Ward at plus 2,000. DJ Younglele. Golly, man, he's been all over the map, right? Feels like forever ago when he was at Clemson. Uh, plus 2,500. Kate Klubnick, <laughs> who took a spot, is at plus 3,000. Brady Cook at Missouri is at plus 3,000. Um, some notables here. Shadir Sanders is a plus four thousand. Will Rogers again. He's been in he's been in college since the Reagan administration. That's my favorite uh, my, my favorite reference there. Uh, he's at plus five thousand. Avery Johnson's at plus five thousand. Cam Rising, who's been in college for a decade plus, is at five thousand. Trevor Etienne, who is a running back now at Georgia, is at plus six thousand. Dante Moore's down there at plus seven uh, plus seventy five hundred. 
Okay. Travis Hunter is at plus 7,500. Max Johnson, who's now at um, at North Carolina, is at plus 10,000. Luther Burden, wide receiver of Missouri, is at 10,000. K.J. Jefferson, who's now at UCF, plus 10,000. Evan Stewart, plus 10,000. Quinshawn Junkins, who's now at Ohio State, plus 1,200 or 12,000. A.J. Swan, who is not projected to be a starting quarterback anywhere, right? <laughs> He's a plus 12,000. I mean, the list goes on and on. Brock Vandergriff, who's now at Kentucky's at plus 12,000. Grayson McCall, who's now at NC State, will be squaring off against Tennessee in week two. That Oklahoma game, I guess, is week four. Oklahoma's the first SEC game, and I think that's week four of the season. Well, you know what? I've got it right here. Just one second. If you're watching on YouTube, we will pull it up and look together. Uh, yeah, so Oklahoma September the 21st, NC State is September the 2nd, that neutral side game. NC State is technically week two, Oklahoma is technically week four. But nonetheless, Grayson McCall at NC State's, Ty Simpson at Alabama, who is not going to be the starting quarterback, he's at plus 15,000. Again, I mean, the list goes on and on, but a high price for Nico Iamaliava. And again, silly conversation right now, in my opinion, because you're in January. Silly conversation because Nico has one start under his belt. But again, you don't build mansions in the deserts over nothing. And so a lot of these Heisman favorites in terms of the odd makers, odds makers are because they're going to be on winning football teams. What's that say about Tennessee? Tennessee going to win nine games next year? Can Tennessee get back to double-digit wins in the regular season? We will see. But if Nico Iamaliava is truly in the Heisman conversation or even on that echelon, even on the even in the conversation to be in the top five, six players in the country, you know Tennessee football has had a good season. Look at Hendon Hooker. Should have been a Heisman finalist in 2022. He was in that conversation all year long. Look at Tennessee. 10-2 regular season, 11-2 overall. So I think that is uh, something really, really cool that uh, we can all look forward to. All right, when we come back, is Alabama sparking a change via the transfer portal? That and a whole lot more. It's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophies also what keeps your ride or die alive? eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and to level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and a whole lot more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your, smart, or your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money is back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. More on Locked On Vaults about the transfer portal. That is coming up next. All right, welcome back in here to your Thursday edition of Locked On Vaults. We'll get in your mailbag uh, questions here in just a moment, but I do want to talk about some things that kind of happened while I was back on vacation. You know, I'm, I'm on vacation and I'm I'm bookmarking a lot of things that I want to hit on periodically whenever I come back. And 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 here's one of them. All right, I understand <laughs> it was an abrupt retirement there for Nick Saban. It is not ideal. I understand we're all Tennessee Volunteers fans here. I get it. No love loss for Bama. I hear you. But let's let's remove that. Let's try to remove that for just a second. Hear me out. Hear me out. What if you, or maybe what if your child was at Alabama, okay, and really successful season, college football playoffs, SEC champions, college football playoffs, 
you lose. You're playing into into early January, into the new year. And then understandably, sooner or later, we all got to quit what we're doing, right? I mean, sooner or later, we can't work until the day we die. Nick Saban, who's arguably the greatest coach to ever live, retires. He deserves to go out whenever he wants to, to go out. But it puts your team in a bind. It truly does because that window is already open for the transfer portal. All you know, the best players have already seen their destinations and all that type of stuff. Okay, it's technically closed now when your coach leaves. So this is the case for Alabama, Washington, because Kellen DeBoer comes to Alabama for um, you know Arizona and a couple other programs that, ha- that have had recent coaching changes. That window opens for 30 days. It's entirely too long. It's that 30 days is not enough. But my point is, it's tough. So like these players can leave for sure. But if you're Alabama, how are you going to replenish your roster? If you're Alabama, if you're Washington, all the best players in the transfer portal have already already found a home. Why? Well, because the portal's already been shut. It was open on December the 4th. It's already been shut. And you're about to start the spring semester. You're, you're early enrollee, getting to classes, all that type of stuff. I mean, Hayes in the barn. So I hear you. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I hear you in terms of no love loss. I get it. But can we all agree that that is a, uh, that is a, not a very great situation to be in? It's not. And, and Alabama, to no fault of its own, right? It had a successful season. Washington, too, had a successful season, won a conference championship game, went to the conference, went to the college football playoffs. And then here you are. One coach retires, one coach leaves that contender, comes to Alabama, and, and you're kind of in a pickle. So it's not a very good situation to be in, in my opinion. So, but here's what I want to comment on. Josh Newberg, colleague of mine, um, over at over at On Three, he's a national. You know, does a national show, does a lot of recruiting, does does a great job. I don't know Josh personally, but obviously, I'm you know, Volquest.com is a Tennessee affiliate of On Three, so you know we work under the same umbrella. I think he does great work, but he did have something that I bookmarked because I I, I disagree with it. He says transfer portal needs to be fixed. This situation with Alabama will cause change. Bama is penalized because they made the playoffs and Nick Saban retired afterwards. Uh, the last team to make the change gets shafted in the portal. There's simply no players left in the portal to recruit. Top available players are the ones hitting the portal from Alabama. If Saban retired on December the 1st, this wouldn't be happening. Needs to be fixed. Okay, I mean, I, I a lot of the reasons he laid out is reasons I kind of laid out moments before and all that. But my, my point is, is Alabama going to spark this change? It shouldn't be just because Alabama, okay? Let's remember, and this is going to bring me to another thing that I bookmarked from Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. I think Barrett Salee does a does a good job. Um, you know, talked to him on radio radio many, many times whenever I was at 99.1 The Sports Animal. But here's what he had to say, okay? This is last week in a tweet. The mass exodus of Alabama is concerning in the short term, but it isn't a sign of things to come in our sport. The best coach of all time retired on January the 10th. A lot of players have historically signed with Alabama to play with the best coach of all time. It's an unfortunate series of events that we are not going to repeat themselves very often. With that being said, the college football calendar needs to be changed. It's not fair to coaches and players. Eliminate the early signing period, but allow players to enroll like in the past. Shorten the early transfer portal window to one week and shorten the 30-day transfer portal uh, a window for allowing coaching change during the winter. So I agree with Barrett in this. Alabama, the situation there, shouldn't spark the change, okay? But a change needs to happen. Change needs to happen because if we talked about so many times, the month of December is just chaos. You are going and finishing your season. 
you are going and preparing for a conference championship game potentially. Right now, you are re-recruiting your team to stay on your roster, okay, because you got multiple transfers. You can do whatever you want. You are pleading with COVID seniors who you want to come back and play for another year, and you're trying to manage all that. You are trying to finish off your early signing period class by you know, bringing in uh, you know last-minute visitors there in the month of December before early National Signing Day. And, oh, yeah, no, two more things. Uh, the transfer portal window is open, and you've got to be bringing in guys and showing them your campus and your facilities and everything that you have to offer because if you're not, you're getting left behind. And on top of all that, these kids who are still in school, Todd Helton said it the other day at his Hall of Fame um, Hall of Fame press conference after he was um, announced a member of the 2024 class. I mean, you got to try school at least. I mean, you got you got to go to class, right? I mean, you, you know, we make jokes about it all the time, but I mean, they still have to go to class and take tests. And that's when finals are. It's a tough situation. So there needs to be a change 100%. There needs to be a fix to the college football calendar. My biggest thing that I've been saying, and members every day, or hashtag here on Locked On Balls, you guys know this, the early National Signing Day needs to get gone, okay? Either, as Barrett says, go back to February, make that a holiday again, but still allow those early enrollees to come in and uh, take part in your spring semester. Or what I would like to see is early National Signing Day be August the 1st or August the 2nd. Because we know, or no, August the 1st, because June is such a huge month, huge month of official visitors. And they're, you know these prospects are, are lining up school after school after school. Sometimes they're gone every weekend of the month of June. They'll have four or five visits, and then they're going to shut things down. Think about it in August, and then commit sometime in August or before their senior season. That's kind of, if you are a big-time college prospect, it's not definite. I mean, you know, David Hobbs and... Arian Carter, you know, the, the, you know, Tennessee got those late. James Pierce, Tennessee got him late. But for the most part, if you were a blue chip prospect, that's kind of the timeline you're 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 following. Not and everybody's different, I get it, but that's pretty much the timeline you're following. They all they also open things back up the last week or the last couple of days of July to get in those last minute visitors there in summer before shutting things down again. So why not move the early national signing day to the first of August? And if you have a coaching change allow them to get out of their national letter of intent. That's how I would handle it. So regardless about what Barrett Salee says or what Josh Newberg says about the Alabama situation, what's happening in Alabama right now, it sucks for those players, but it happened at Tennessee just a couple years ago. Different situations, right? Tennessee was unceremoniously firing a head coach for cause, okay? Coming off a 3-7 and seven season, right in the middle of the COVID uh, fiasco of a football season, okay, right after that. And... Tennessee had 35 players dart to the portal. Okay. It was unfortunate. It was late. Um, it was not ideal. And I remember everybody laughing at Tennessee. And I remember everybody poking fun at Tennessee. And I remember that being a huge story because it was a huge story. But I don't remember, and, and I could be wrong here, and I'm not trying to just have orange shade of sunglasses here, but I don't remember a lot of national presence on talking about the, the program here right now. Like, oh, that's tough. How's Tennessee going to replenish its roster? How was Tennessee going to do all this because it's lost 30-plus players? It's lost you know, countless starters and all that. I don't remember the outrage there, um, but it might be because it's a different situation. That was a dark time for Tennessee, whereas Alabama or whereas Washington did no wrong, right? You, you were a good football team. You won a lot of games, and then the, arguably the greatest coach of all time retires on his terms, which he's allowed to do that, okay? But, you know, if I'm a player in that locker room, that kind of sucks. 
right? If I'm in Washington and I just had a heck of a year and I went to the college football playoffs, and I did everything I was supposed to do. And then my coach leaves to take over Alabama. I mean, it stinks, right? I mean, I, I, I saw something as well. I bookmarked a tweets. I think this is from uh, Brandon Marcello. Only two, and I bookmarked this a week ago, so it could have changed by now, but only two starters from Washington's national runner-up team are currently set for to return next year. Yeah, Washington, the team that played for a national championship, only two starters, two starters are set to return. The transfer portal, NFL draft, graduation has claimed all 11 starters on offense and 29 players on the offensive and defensive two deep. That's incredible. So, sure, it's not ideal what's happening at Alabama or Washington. Here on a Tennessee podcast, welcome to reality, right? Welcome to reality. If you are looking at an Alabama fan or Alabama football, I get it. My point is change does need to happen, but not because of that situation. Change needs to happen because the month of December is wild. Change needs to happen because you are losing more and more college football coaches to the NFL. They don't want to deal with all this crap. They want to coach football. That's what they were called and what they want to do. That's why they got in this profession. They don't want to play GM. They didn't want to play middleman and deciding, you know, allocations of money and funds and all that type of stuff when when coming to name him and gelatinous. They didn't want to have to re-recruit players they've already recruited once to their roster. You're going to lose good coaches. You're going to lose good coaches. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, we'll see what he does in Michigan. And I'm not I, he's not a choir boy. He didn't play all by the rules and everything. But look at that dude. He wants to coach football. He wants to deal with all this crap. He's going to go to the NFL. He's already proven that he's a winning coach anywhere he wants to coach at two different stops or three different stops at the college level. Uh, Super Bowl appearance with the 49ers, you're going to lose good coaches. So that is why there needs to be change to the calendar, not because of what's happened in Alabama, not because of what's happened to Washington, not because of what happened at Tennessee a couple years ago. fact of the matter is, it's just, it, it's drunk right now. It's absolutely drunk. But from an entertainment perspective, and that's what we're all in this for, we're football fans, but we love entertainment. It couldn't be better. Hope all that made sense. I was kind of spitballing a little bit. I really, really do hope that made sense. Um, I don't know. National media members, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I just had a lot of my opinions right there. But where was the outcry a couple years ago with, with what was going on in Tennessee? I don't know. Hey, when we come back, your mailbag questions. That and a whole lot more is coming up next right here on Locked on Balls. All right, guys. Appreciate you for being here as always. A couple minutes left here. When we come back, I hope, I'm uh, hopefully going to pre-record with uh, a current Tennessee football player later tonight. And if that's the case, we'll have it on Friday's show. So uh, that is what you have to look forward to. I'm not going to say the name right now because if something doesn't happen in terms of recording, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be kind of left out the dry there. But hopefully we'll have a fun show tomorrow coming up. But um, appreciate you guys for being here. Tuesdays, normally when we do the mailbag show, it's when you take over the show. But because I've been on vacay for a little bit, I wanted to squeeze in a mailbag here at the end of the week. So... Uh, let's go ahead and let's start with Blayton. Blayton says, with Tennessee getting more higher-ranked, high-profile recruits, such as Jordan Ross, Mike Matthews, et cetera, are the coaches going to feel pressure to let those guys get playing time early or risk losing to the portal if they're unhappy? Yeah, good question, man. We talk about a lot of RevolQuest. There's got to be a fine line, okay? There's never been more player empowerment, and I'm for a lot of the player empowerment. I am. Um... There's a lot of what's happening right now that I agree with. I do believe, though, there's no structure and though, you know, there were decades upon decades to to put some guardrails up and the NCAA didn't and now the NCAA is mad. It's a bit out of control, but I do believe that players deserve the right to earn 
profits off their name, image, and likeness. I do. You know why? Because the University of Tennessee makes millions and 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 millions of dollars every year and millions on top of that. A large portion of that is because of the football team. And that's anywhere in the country. And so the football team keeps the lights on for the track and field team, for the swim team, for the road, for the for the club sports, for I mean, pick your poison, right? I mean, football makes money. Men's basketball makes money. I think Lady Vols or women's basketball for, for most schools can can break even or make a little bit of money. But the majority of your varsity sports don't make no money, okay? And so these players who go out there and play the game that they love for our entertainment, they deserve to make some money. Anyway, that was a, that was a mini, mini spat on my part. But uh, my point is, I think that there's a line there. You still have to be coachable player. Okay. You still have to follow direction. And it's your, when you're a coach, there's gotta be that line where sure you need to pay attention to the reality that is the transfer portal. You don't want to lose those players that you just recruited to your roster, but also you want to go win some football games. You don't need to cave in and just play a player just not to lose them. Perfect example there. And I've said this many, many times, hashtag everyday, or as you've heard me many, many times, there were certain situations where Nico should have been playing last year. There are certain situations where Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews, where Ethan Davis, where Sham Umarov should have been playing last year, win and blow out games one way or the other. The fact that Joe Milton was still playing quarterback in a 38 to seven game in the fourth quarter of Missouri was, what, what was the point? You know, I mean, just, just little things like that. That's when you get these players in there, but run them out there on the second series of an sec game, just to get them a little PT to keep them happy. I don't agree with that, but blatant to your point, as a coach, you're not just coaching anymore. It's the reality of it. You are CEO with a little bit of coaching. And so that's something you got to be thinking about. Great question, Blayton. Uh, Jared wants to know, just curious, what in the world's up with Zane Denton? This is a baseball question. Why has he not been with the team all year this year, assumingly? Is this a serious situation? Is he okay? Yada, yada. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys know. And if you follow my work at VolQuest.com, uh, I've mentioned several times, uh, Zane Denton's going through some things, um, working through some things. And that's kind of how Tony Vitello summarized it back in the fall. Um, he was not with the team at all in the fall. Um, he, to my knowledge, at least right now, he's not with the team. Um, there's a chance he can come back. The door's open for him if he wants to come back. He announced that he was going to come back after going undrafted last summer, late last summer. But he's working through some things. Um, you know, he's okay. It's all good on all sides. It's said Tony Vitello on the, on the Sports Animal Wednesday morning. So we'll see what happens. Uh, fact of the matter is they start official in-season practices tomorrow. And opening day is less than th three weeks away. So, you know, rubber's going to meet the road here. Like, there's got to be a decision made one way or the other. And, you know, we're going to meet with Tony Vitello later today in a press conference later this morning. Um, if nobody else asks it, I mean, if I can get my question first, I'm going to ask about the availability of Zane Denton. So we're going to continue to check. But um, what I've been told is doors open. They would welcome him back with open arms. But in my camp, I'm not going to believe that he's going to be back until I see him back because He's certainly not been with the team for quite some time. So uh, we will see what happened. Tennessee is carrying on as if they won't have him. But of course, of course, uh, would love to have a guy that led the team in RBI last year back on the roster. Uh, let's go to, let's go to, got two more here. Let's go to Braden. Braden said, what is the best place in Knoxville to watch Tennessee sports? Good question. Um, there's a lot of great places around. One of my favorite places to watch Tennessee sports or sports in general, you know, me, me and some buddies of mine, uh, when I'm out of rivalry Thursday season. So really all I only get, you know, the month of December, 
No, I get them. I get the month of uh, November because we play. They, we, we do those games on Friday for Playoff Friday. So in November, December, and January, um, every Thursday, we go out and grab some beers and we watch uh, Thursday night football. And um, you know, Yeehaw, Yeehaw uh, Brewery down in the old city, down the Happy Holler. Used to be Elkmont, good place, really, really good place. I like Tommy Trent's in Market Square. Old City Sports Bar was where we first started meeting up a couple years ago in the old city. That's a good place. But those are pretty much my hangouts to watch some sports. Um, who is your favorite player on the football team to interview? Uh, good question. I thought, you know, like in a, in a media setting, I always thought that uh, Amari Thomas is good. Bryson Eason's gotten really, really good. Um, Jared Dickey, the baseball player, was phenomenal. <laughs> um, uh, on that same note, Kirby Cannell is phenomenal. Um, trying to think. You know, a lot of these players that get interviewed all the time, they're kind of boring. Um, I'll tell you somebody who's really good in front of a microphone. Uh, Cooper Mays is really good. Um, Dylan Sampson's really good. Those are some that kind of jump out to me right now. Um, Juwan Jennings was a great quote when he was here, obviously. He was a really, really good quote. Trey Smith was really good. Um, those are a few that just kind of kind of jump out to me right now. Uh, the last question I'm going to get to, and this is from Garrett. Really, really good question that, uh, that, that maybe we can spend more time on in shows to come. Who is one name that many that many people are talking, who is one name that not many people are talking about to watch for each position group going into 2024. So we talk about these position groups and everything. Who's a name that we're not talking about a lot that I think could play a big factor or could be a, a nice weapon for Tennessee in 2024. All right, let's play this game. Uh, quarterback. Well, we talked Nico at nauseum. So let's go Jake Merklinger. <laughs> okay. Cause he's going to be your backup quarterback. Probably Jake Merklinger quarterback running back. Talk about Dylan Sampson and Cam Selden all the time. Give me Peyton Lewis because I think he's going to be the third back in that rotation. Khalifa Keith and Deshaun Bishop are a part of that as well. But give me Peyton Lewis. Okay, he's um, he'll he'll be an early enrollee. He is an early enrollee. Uh, let's go to tight end. I guess it's got to be Miles Kitzelman because the transfer from Alabama because um, he's probably going to be that third guy in line. I don't think Emmanuel Koye is ready to go. Um, and that room just kind of depleted right now with Ethan Davis and Holden stays out there. So give me miles Kitzelman who did not play a factor hardly at all at the tight end position for Alabama, but the numbers are thin there. Um, offensive line, Dane Davis, we talk about a lot, but I love his versatile versatility. He's likely not going to be a starter, but, um, at least a tackle. Um, but you love the versatility there. I think a young guy that we don't talk about a lot is going to be Bison Lane. Maybe your maybe your center of the future. Bennett Warren, who's not going to be an early enrollee, I think is going to be a good player. I think Aiden Bustle, who we never talk about, Aiden Bustle, big spring for him. But I mean, he's he's been repping a tackle, a guard. He looks the part in state prospect classes twenty twenty three. I don't think he'll play a factor this year, but Aiden Bustle is a guy that I like in that room. That's that's it, uh, O-line. Wide receiver, give me Chaz Nimrod. We talk about all these wide receivers all the time. Bruise back, Squirrel White, uh, Dante Thornton, Chris Brazel, um, e even the freshman, you know, Mike Matthews, the five-star, Braylon Staley, of course, Caleb Webb's in there. But Chaz Nimrod, I thought he did – is he ex explosive as some of these other guys? No, but I thought he held his own. I did. And at least he's a guy that Tennessee can count on if needed. 
So uh, give me give me uh, give me Chaz Nimrod in, in that conversation on the defensive line. Tyree Weathersby, true freshman this past year, had that hip injury in spring in uh, fall camp, didn't play at all. I'm telling you guys, he's gonna be a player. He was one of my favorite, most intriguing prospects when I cover recruiting more than I do now in the class of 2023. Tyree Weathersby, remember that name. He's gonna be a player for Tennessee at linebacker. We talk about Elijah Herring a lot. Of course, Keenan Peely. We talk about Aaron Carter. Talk about Jeremiah Thielander a lot. What is Jalen Smith going to give you? He redshirted this year, came on towards the end of the year, part of that four-game rule, had a couple of tackles on on, uh, on kickoff team, had a couple of tackles in the bowl game. I think he's behind the other guys, but in the very, very, very limited time that we've seen him play, Jalen Smith has played pretty well. So give me that, that, that name there. And in the, the secondary... Oh, we talk about these guys all the time because we just don't know who's going to play where. In the secondary, give me... I mean, Jacoby Thomas, he's a transfer. We've talked about him a lot, but when I'm kind of like figuring who's going to be starting where, for some reason, and again, he's new, and I haven't seen him play, and he hadn't practiced yet, but Jacoby Thomas is never kind of up there for me. MTSU safety, very experienced player. Obviously, the level of competition is not what it's going to be in the SEC, but Jacoby Thomas can't teach experience, and so maybe I'll go that route there, Jacoby Thomas. All right, guys, uh, fun show today. Really, really fun show. Appreciate you guys being a part of it. Thanks for sending your mailbag questions. Uh, we'll get back into our normal, our regular scheduled mailbag question segments on Tuesday, Tuesday of next week. You can always send those into underscore Caner and at Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys so much for making Lockdown Balls your first listen, uh, making us a part of your morning commute. Uh, wherever you listen, wherever you watch, please subscribe, Locked on Balls on the YouTube channel, and download us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Uh, hopefully we'll have a fun player interview coming up on Friday right here on Locked on Balls.